so I'm gonna like there's there's been a lot of stuff that I've concerned. One thing that I wanna I wanna talk first on, and this was I touched on it in our last one. Uh, we talked about shows, and I talked about the Expanse, um, which was a show that I really enjoyed. It has finished now, as its show and the book has also finished, but at different points. So in the book, it is a nine series uh, or nine books in the series arc, which is delicately broken up into like three trilogies they they continue over but like there's contained story arcs within the three trilogies and then there's an overarching story arc um the show has finished at the end of essentially book six and there's three more books after that that's not going to be filmed currently by uh amazon i don't know if it will get filmed anywhere it's going to be really really hard to do because the final piece of the series the last three books has like a 30 year jump in time, so like just doing that is really, really hard to do with actors because you have to do so much practical makeup and things like that, and that just gets really expensive. So. Unless you just recast. Well, yeah, yeah, you could recast. You could do that. Or you could wait like 15 years and and cast it and do it again with the same <laughs> characters, just like bring them back in like 15 years. So, But I'm not sure on that, how that's going to happen. <clears throat> but I finished the book, um, and it was really, really good. I thought it, it finished in an amazing way as good as you could possibly do for some very hard content to do so it's it's very very hard science fiction the first two seasons don't get too heavy into me like there's a lot of it there's alien technology and things like that but then and i've and i've kind of talked to you about it like the the third one you get into really like essentially what would it be to interact with a fourth dimensional being and like what would happen of our existence when you start knocking on that wall that is the next dimension and how would that even function? Um, but so they really, really enjoyed that. It, it wrapped it up very well. Um, I think I actually read all three of those books, the last three of the books, because the first two were out. Um, the third one released last year, like November of last year. And I think I actually consumed all three of that since the pandemic. So that was a, um, or since our last recording. So that was a big, big chunk of that. It did a really good job finishing the story arc. Um, interesting, interesting look into um, really how like how humans would function if they start meddling in things that they don't understand, which I think is kind of um, w- what we do a lot. Like when they first discover this alien technology, which is a, um, you would call it like a void world that allows for a, a hub um, in space time that it's like, it connects different dimension or different, um, different parts of the galaxy, but is like a little pocket bubble that allows you gateways and things through that, like a wormhole, um, bubble and things like that. And like, you discover that and start using it, but you have no idea what, what all it can actually do. Um, they, there's a great analogy in the book that relates to how the human, it's like, um, it's like thinking that a microwave is can be used as a lantern because it has a light inside of it. And so you turn it on and use it as a, as a desk lamp or a light because it lights up. And yet you have no idea what's actually happening and what that thing is doing. So um, really interesting concept with that. So that one was really fun. I also started and finished on other sci-fi book stuff, the Takes Kalan um, series by Arcady Martin, um, which is, it was just, it's a, a duology. It's two books. Um, and I don't think it's, uh, so the first book is a memory called empire. It was a Hugo award winning the year that it released in 2019, I think. Um, but I didn't read it until this past year. Uh, and then book two was a desolation called peace. Um, but it's the Tex Kalan series named after the Tex Kalani empire, which is the 
at the heart of the story. Obviously, it's very sci-fi. Yes, I'm showing my hand here. I'm a huge science nerd. Um, that's the stuff that I thoroughly enjoy. But um, it was, I don't know that any two books have ever made me a bigger fan of a work than those, like in just those two stories, I was absolutely swept up and, and so thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and it was just an incredible story. It deals, um, it deals with a lot of political intrigue in the concepts of, of an empire and what it means for a large empire. And you can see this in real world human things that we have seen even right now, like in our own, um, I mean, look at the United States of America. We are a country, but we do also function with a bit of an empirical sense. Like we have a federal government that is housed in Washington, which makes laws that affect 50 states throughout it. And then those individual states are part of that country. Yes, it's a country. You can say it's an empire or not, but like it is empirical in that sense. But even like look at ancient times, you look at ancient Rome, things like that, like how an empire spreads. Um, and the author, Arcadia Martin, is actually, um, she has a PhD um, I believe, I don't know if she teaches or it's just what her PhD is in, uh, is in the Byzantine Empire. So it deals with a lot of that, of like, what does empire look like as human interactions? Because it's really all it is, is like, how do humans interact with one another? But it also really is cool because it, it like, it stretches into the concept of what does an empire look like when you're in it and you're like, you don't even realize it. It's grown so large, like the Roman Empire, Byzantine, any ancient empires. And it's like, this thing is so big that if you're a part of it, you don't even realize you're a part of a giant empire. Um, and the nature of the story actually deals with a think about, if you think about it, like when the 50 States were being formed regions of the country that were like on the outliers that weren't States that were still like their own individual governing municipalities. It's that there's a space station that is like at the outer edge of the empire, which it's a galactic spanning empire, of course, because it's science fiction. Um, but uh, you have that, and it's them trying not to be absorbed by the empire. Like, they're a trading partner, but they're not part of the empire, and they're trying to, like, intertangle with that, but just, like, the concepts of all of that and the way it works. Um, but, yeah, that was incredibly enjoyable. Very, very good story um, that also, in the second book, gets into dealing with, like, hive mind concepts and how a hive mind function. There's a really great over overspanning arc over both books of how broad is the definition of the term we like when you talk about we, we even say when we say we as arkansans when we say we as the people in this room we as americans we as humans we as a species you know like what what do you what do you define the term we as and like how broad does that get and the first book deals with it in the sense of the empire and it's like a you know you're being you have a foreign call it a foreign state that is trying not to be annexed within to the empire. And then in book two, you come in, into contact with a truly foreign, like another species and an actual alien species that you are in a small war with. That is a hive mind functionality. Like they, the, the entire species, all of it is just like one giant hive mind. And what is, what are the differences there? What is the difference between an empire that has grown so large that it does function as an entity within itself um, and, and an actual hive mind that has an entire collective conscious. But just in that sense of like how, how broadly do we determine the phrase we and where do you lie in that? And we're like, where does, where does the individual come into play and exist with that? And how do we interact with other individuals? Which uh, for me, just psychologically, I think is a very, very interesting topic to discuss there. 
I would say it's trippy too. So this ties in a little bit to the expanse, I think that you mentioned mm. earlier. So yes, that's why um, I packaged them kind of together. Yeah. Absolutely. You were talking about fourth dimensional beings that the yep. expanse had tackled. And you're like, how do we even deal with that threat? Like we're not equipped. They're, they're mm. so far beyond us. And what I think immediately back to is one of your favorite movies that you listed, um, in our first episode, which was interstellar. interstellar. Yes. We're dealing with fourth dimensional beings, spoiler alert in that movie, um, which are just us from a, further point in time because they've realized how to access that. And so time for them is just another plane of existence, just as the physical realm is for us. So, um, I don't know. It's just, it's super trippy because we can't even comprehend what that would look like for us. I think that's why a lot of people just imagining like, and that's the best we can do. And Um, I feel like that's why a lot of people didn't connect or like with the end of interstellar inter interstellar, excuse me, because they were just like, I don't even know what's going on at this point. I don't know. Like he fell into a black hole. He should have been stretched. He should have been spaghettified, but Oh no, he was actually transported into this tesseract where he's seeing it, the yes. fourth dimension. It and he's actually able to interact with time. And he ends up being the ghost of the daughter that he saw. And it's, it gets a little trippy, but um, anyway, I'm just curious your thoughts on how interstellar the expanse. And then um, what was the other piece of content that uh, you're talking about that deals with the, the uh, Texcalon series? Um, you it really, um, a memory called empire is the first book. That's the one that it's most known as. Um, but yeah, it, there are some, there's some really great tie-ins from all of that. I, I, I think interstellar and people can knock it for whatever reason they want to be like scientifically. It's, it's a good guess at, as to how stuff would function. Like we don't really know. They did do an amazing job, like the wormhole, the concept of a, of a wormhole is a three dimensional thing. They did a fantastic job with that and depicting it. Whereas we, tend to do like two dimensional descriptions with wormholes. And it's like, Oh, it's literally just a door. And it's like, no, that's not how a wormhole would actually work in a warping of space time that the, the playing with gravity and how that affects time um, was really good. And then even into the black hole and then having like the little tesseract that is the center of that, it, it's a stretch, but we don't know. We literally just at which awesome fun science fact, we just like this last week, glimpsed the center of our galaxy for the first time ever it's all been theoretical like we've never actually seen it we don't know what a black hole fully even looks like like we only photographed it last year in late 2020 i can't remember yeah so yeah so like it's it's like this is these are concepts that even that is still so far by beyond our understanding and like we're just scratching on the surface so yeah that concept both with the expanse um and texcalon which texcalon is is much more human it doesn't have quite as much science bending stuff or the little bit that it does. It just kind of like doesn't look over. It's much more in like interactions. But then when you get in the hive mind concept, it really, really does get into like if you have a species that is, um, I mean, effectively like through quantum entanglement is completely connected across all portions of it. I mean, that would be a, a fire starts in someone's backyard in California and we know about it the second that it happens. And are like, oh, we need to make sure, we need to make sure that gets gets taken care of. Send send the note out to everyone to respond to that, and the entire neighborhood comes together because they all got the message. And it's like, it it happens. It exists in in science. Like that's a a, a thing that functions. Um, I mean, like uh, mushrooms are a perfect example. Of, like mushrooms is an organism 
they can be growing all across the ground. It's one organism that's all working together in that tandem. The Great Barrier Reef was a giant, giant organism that all functioned together before it started dying. Um, so it is like, I mean, those concepts are strange and very, very weird for us. Um, so to think about how that would play out, it does go into a lot of that. And it's it's still just theorizing and guessing, but it's it's a very, very interesting thing to think about. And it's kind of hurts your brain some too. I also uh, read um, Hail, Project Hail Mary just like uh, by Andy Weir that did The Martian, his new book. That was really, really good. Um, movies and shows-wise. So shows, I'm going to keep with my like incredibly on-brand science and talk about uh, Raised by Wolves. So I've only watched season one. I actually need to finish season two. But that's probably been the best television content I have watched um, since we filmed, specifically. Um, and it is a great, similar to Midnight Mass, which you talked about. So for anyone who has not watched um, Raised by Wolves, it deals with this strange future where humans have been sent to another planet because we destroyed ours in a religious holy war between monotheistic religion that worships the sun and atheists that were devout atheists. And they went to war and pretty much we destroyed our planet and then um, fled. But both groups have fled to this new planet. That's one of the Kepler planets. I forget the number, but it's an actual um, planetscape that, uh, or it's within a real set of planetscapes. Um, But so both groups have fled to it. So you have the atheist who built um, Android robots to kind of like govern and, and take care of the human race. Not, well, not, not, not just govern. That's not fair. Partially govern, but also like provide and care for the human race. Um, and then you have, uh, I, I cannot remember the name of the religion. They worship the sun and I can't think of it, but it's, it's a, it's a traditional monotheistic religion of any kind, be it, it doesn't say it, it mirrors a lot of anything Judeo-Christian um, or even a bit of um, Islam that it's, it, it deals with that and um, just what goes into it. But there is, there's a battle in between this, you have the um, the android who has brought forth kids, like clones that they have um, been able to build and grow. So, like they're still devoted to the human race. So, like it's not it's not computers having taken over. So they're trying to grow that. Um, but you get the war between the factions, and there's a really interesting piece in the first season that it is actually um, the one of the main leaders of the religious group, or who becomes one of the main leaders, is an atheist. Was one of the atheists that was on planet Earth that was hiding out and is like snuck their way into the religious order that left and fled as just a survival mechanic. Um, and yet, and in, in coming in contact with that is becoming religious as they feel they have been spoken to by like the God that is on this planet. Um, and then on the flip side, the Android, which is an Android, it's a computer program, um, is also like kind of developing the sense of belief and functionality, which goes back to what we were talking about of Midnight Mass and just like people's longing to, and it pertains to even this, like um, it's different thinking and different ways of looking at it, but it's just that like need to believe in something, be that be that something science, be that a religion, be it a doctrine or whatever it is, but it's like that need to believe in a, a, a rule, a rule of law of how things function. Um, and it's just a very interesting concept as you see two completely opposed paths, like, kind of diverging into one another and like crossing in a cross sexuality of that. Um, it gets super weird at the end. It is from a, uh, from Ridley Scott. It gets very, very weird in the science fiction of season one. And I've heard season two continues with that. Um, but it's just a really interesting human tale and just how we 
look to stuff to believe in. I mean, we've we've done this since the dawn of civilization that we, you know, made up things and ex- explanations for stuff. Um, we've gotten better at it, at explaining all of it, but it is just like um, kind of a process of figuring that all out. Mm. And I've only watched the first two episodes, but they are fascinating. Shame. I'm excited to watch. Shame. Shame. <laughs> I need a bell. Ding, ding, shame. Shame. <laughs>